Most evolutionists today claim that evolution is no longer a theory because it has become a proven fact. Is that true? For the answer to this and other questions about the origin of this universe and life, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Tim Moore and I have a very special guest with us today who I know is going to be a special blessing to all of you. His name is Mike Riddle, and he is the founder and director of a wonderful ministry called the Creation Training Initiative. Mike, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Well, thank you, Dr. Yeah. And Mike, uh, your, your ministry has a rather unusual name. Uh, what, what's it all about? Well, it's called Creation Training Initiative. And we call it that because one, we deal with creation. We deal with training. That's a big part of our ministry. And it's an initiative to get something done. So, you're training people to be able to teach it and defend it. That's exactly right. In other words, our ministry is based off of 2 Timothy 2.2 where he trained others to speak and teach about God's okay. Word. That's a fantastic plan. Mike, tell us what kind of background and qualifications you have to be presenting teaching on evolution and creation, this particular topic. My first and most important uh, qualification is I'm a born again believer, believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's number one. Everything else is secondary. <laughs> well, God's given me a good gift to be able to do a lot of things. One, I was a captain of the United States Marine Corps. I worked in computers with Microsoft for many years. Some might see that as a detriment, I don't know. <laughs> and I've also been an athlete. I competed the worldwide in track and field. So he's given me the desire to be to win and be a champion. Not that I was always a champion. You take your share of losing too. But I've been working in this field of creation, evolution, and apologetics for over 35 years. Wow. Well, I would say that you are definitely qualified. You know, and let me just say something yes. too, and that is that of all the creation speakers I've ever heard in my life, he is the best in terms of getting it down to the level of his audience. Whatever level that is, he knows how to adjust it and communicate with it. I could make a comment on a Marine having that ability to talk at any level. But, Mike, we want to talk about some of the most frequently asked questions that come to us here at Lamb and Lion. Yes. And one of the things people talk about is that in schools, children are taught today that evolution is a fact. And it's not even a theory anymore. Uh, what do you say about that regarding the teaching that is being promulgated in schools across America? Well, Mike, before I get to whether it's a fact, a theory, or anything, let me give some background information. Good. There's things called proof and persuasion. Now, persuasion is when you give evidence for an argument, even if the idea is false, you mm. give persuading evidence for that. We see that on TV commercials all the time. There are people persuading, my product is the best. We see it in cults all the time, persuading mm -hmm. our cult, we are the only way. Political advertising. We also see it in politics. <laughs> yes, sir. Right and that's very yes. relevant in <laughs> politics. Now, proof is when we give an explanation for something that is absolutely true. There's no missing gaps or any missing information in there. Now, where does evolution fit on all this? First of all, we don't know where the matter came from. They don't have, they can't prove that at all. They don't know how stars or galaxies form. They have ideas, but they're only ideas. No one's ever seen a star or galaxy form. They don't know where, how life originated. Our best scientists came to produce a protein, let alone a living cell. The fossil record does not support that because we know fossilization happens rapidly. 
So when we look at this, the evolution model, they have holes everywhere. So what is it? Well, it's not a fact, can't be proven. It actually does not qualify for a scientific theory. Many different, different definitions of a theory, but a scientific theory must be observable and repeatable. Mm. Where in evolution have we repeated any of I was going to say, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I always was taught that, that if something is scientific, you can, you can reproduce it yes. in the laboratory. Yes, and many people have to be able to reproduce that. <laughs> yes. So evolution really fits as not a fact, not a theory, but an unverified hypothesis or a model or philosophy. Well, it seems to me like every time I pick up something these days or see an article on the internet, somebody is backing off, who is an evolutionist, is backing off and saying, well, we've got a new explanation, a new explanation. What's going on there? Well, they do abandon some, some of their ideas. And um, so the answer is, uh, are they losing, giving up on some of their ideas? And the answer to that is yes and no. You like those. <laughs> yes, because some of, like you were talking, Dr. Reagan, some of their ideas have been shown to be completely false or they're dangerous to the idea, such as racism. You used to look at these biology textbooks back yeah. in the 70s and 80s and even the 60s. You see this progression going from apes-like creatures to dark humans, then to light humans. Uh -huh. And that promoted racism. They don't do that anymore. Now they just put pictures of skeletons in there. Well, obviously, even Adolf Hitler and some of the Nazi philosophy borrowed from evolution to say that there was a master race and that was very uh, grounded in Darwin's teachings yes. from that day and age. Exactly. You mentioned drawings. It seems to me like evolutionists are, that's what they base their whole thing on is drawings. Right, because we don't find, find many one tooth. Fossils. Yes. And, and draw a whole human being from that one truth. Called Nebraska man. Guess where we find <laughs> Nebraska man? That's a trick question. But they do give up on things like, we used to have the idea that over a hundred of our organs were left over from our days of evolving. They were useless, called vestigial organs. Well, they had to back off of that because we found most of them, all of them are useful. Well, they also had drawings of a series of embryos that made it look like we went through stages of development that were very animalistic. And those were just fantasized drawings. They were not yes. even based in reality whatsoever. And yet they found their way into many textbooks until recent years. And actually, they do still have that suggestion in the textbooks today, even though it's been proven false for well over 100 years. Isn't one of the world's leading evolutionist named Dawkins? Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawkins. Yes. Well, uh, In an interview that I saw of him, he had backed so far off evolutionary theory that he was saying, well, I believe life came to uh, uh, this uh, planet uh, as crystals floating on, you know, in space. I've seen that interview. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> Talk he, about fantasy. Yes, he has missed that. But some of the things they will not back on. Even though the Big Bang has scientific problems, they won't back off on it. And the reason why is they don't have anything to replace it. Well, speaking of the Big Bang, one of the things uh, that we talk about is that the Earth is young. That's what we believe based on the creation account and the, the account through Scripture of the generations. So here's a question for you. If the Earth is so young, why does it look old? Well, here's my answer to that question. And I like to use biblical and tactics uh, that we see, in, uh, that's where I get all my information mm. from. <laughs> Science is the secondary, but the Bible is my first thing. So I'm going to answer that kind of a question with a question. What do you mean by old and what is your tool for measuring old? Because a lot of people look at me and say, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said you were 70 some years you're young, young earlier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask them that question. And they may come up with something like, oh, this thing called radiometric dating. Radiometric dating, how they date rocks and fossils. We don't need to go into that right now. Yeah. But they use a tool for measuring and counting atoms in there. Well, what, they not, what they're not teaching here in the schools 
is this whole idea of radiometric dating is based on assumptions. It's not a fact. You can date one rock, three different methods, come up with three completely <laughs> different ages. So that's been shown. Now, another one of these is called carbon-14. Yes. Now, carbon-14 is an atom. That's what we mean by that. And they're floating around in the upper space there. We get it in. All living things eat it and breathe it. So we all have carbon-14 in us. All living things have it. Interesting thing, carbon-14 is a great testimony to a young Earth. Because hmm. when something dies, all the carbon-14 decays out. You're not eating and breathing anymore, so no more gets in. But when you die, it just kind of decays out. We estimate after about 100,000 years, it should all be gone. Guess where we're finding carbon-14? Dinosaurs and all these creatures are supposed to be dead for millions of years. They still have Soft tissue is found in them. Still have soft tissue. Great How Tesla. can that be if they've been dead for hundreds of millions of years? <laughs> it, it, there is no explanation <laughs> other than contamination. But if that's contamination, then everything they measure with carbon-14 has come. I like to point out God created Adam and Eve. And if they were created as adult human beings, if you and I had looked at them, we'd estimate, oh, I'd figure he's about 25, maybe 30 years old. But they were brand new. That's right. And by the same token, trees, if we'd cut them down, they would have had rings just to provide support, but they were brand new. So there was a, a semblance of age just according to our way of looking at yeah. things that didn't mean that they were any older than Special brand new. Special creation always carries with it the appearance of age. Right. Well, when but the, you add to that the fall. Yes. And the corruption of the earth as a result and of Jesus the fall. And Jesus demonstrated that in His very first miracle. He converted water into wine, and they said, this is the best, right. most excellent wine. <laughs> this must be very aged. Well, actually, it's five minutes old. Yes. And so it had the appearance of age, but it was good, brand good illustration. new. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to say, He created a mature creation. Okay. Very mature. <laughs> well, Darwin uh, said that uh, the fossil record would ultimately prove his thesis. Has it? Uh, that's an easy answer here. No. <coughs> With an exclamation point. Yes. Uh, here's what, what's happening. Most people think it has. The fossil record and all this evolution is really staying alive because of one main, well there's several reasons, but the most important one is the education system. Public education system is more interested, and I'm not talking about teachers now directly, it's the system. The system. They're more important to them, it's more important to teach evolution than true observable science. But Darwin, his, is the fossil record support uh, Charles Darwin, what he had to say? No. The reason why is we know fossilization can happen rapidly. Yes. It can happen rapidly. We've seen that. But when we look at the fossil record, what do we see? Most all fossils are found in sediments laid down by water. This is all over the earth. What might that bring up as a clue? Noah's flood. No. <laughs> right. See, it matches what the Bible teaches. Then we find dinosaurs out there. We find dinosaurs buried with other creatures. We find what's called fossil graveyards. Mm -hmm. All over there with sometimes hundreds to thousands of different creatures from different ecological zones like fish buried with mammals and land creatures, dinosaurs buried with other creatures. These are fossil graveyards. Guess what kind of sediments we find them in? Sediments laid down by water. These land animals didn't walk over to the sea and say, would you fish come on up here, we all want to die together? Well, <laughs> and as a matter of fact, Darwin predicted that we would find all these transitional forms. And he, he essentially admitted, if we never find that, we have grave problems with the theory I'm proposing. And many evolutionists today have recognized we've got some problems because we're not finding all these transitional forms. A dinosaur, or not a dinosaur, a fossil found of a creature that lives today was the same supposedly million 
millions of years ago. In other words, there was no change. Those are called living fossils. Living <laughs> fossils. I would call that and too. So, well, <laughs> so they, they don't prove that there's been any transition over time. Well, let me, let me make one correction there. They have found missing links. They have, well, say missing links in that respect. Uh -huh. There are pictures drawn by artists in textbooks. <laughs> yes. We find fossils of apes, we find fossils of humans, but we don't find any factual fossils of anything in between. You don't Only find textbooks. any dots between a dog and a cat. No, we don't. No dots. And, and no the dads. interesting about dinosaurs, <laughs> they don't know where dinosaurs came from. What we find in the fossil record are dinosaurs. Yeah. Where they came from, look at all the textbooks. They say, oh, here's, here's a transitional creature. You look at it, it looks like a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> certainly does. So where do they all come from? They don't know. Well, folks, we're going to take a, a brief uh, pause here, and in a moment we'll come back with more questions that people frequently ask about evolution and creation. Are you looking to develop an unshakable faith and to better cope with tough times? On Saturday, March 20th at 3 p.m. Central Time, the Lamb and Lion Ministries Evangelism Team will host our second streaming conference. The theme will be Unshakable, Exercising Tough Faith in Tough Times. The conference will be streamed over our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. No registration is required for this free conference. Nathan Jones will explore Habakkuk's initial dismay over God's call to live by faith. Dr. David Reagan will draw insight from Isaiah and Jeremiah, whose prophecies of doom led them to be ostracized even as they offered a bold testimony. And finally, Tim Moore will focus on the Apostle Paul, who faithfully poured himself out sacrificially in spite of many years of persecution. These dynamic presentations will be followed by an hour-long question and answer session. You'll be able to post your questions directly to our speakers via the live chat. We hope you will join us for the Unshakable Conference on March 20th on the Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. Further details and downloadable sermon notes are available on Christ in Prophecy. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy, an art interview with Mike Riddle about the validity of evolution versus the creation story of the Bible. So, Mike, I'm going to hit you with a very challenging question. I'm a young earth advocate, but many young earth advocates have a hard time explaining how in the world the millions of light years of distance that separates us from stars supposedly can be explained. In other words, how did that light get here over millions and millions of light years separation? What would you say? Well, I'd like to say just flip the switch. But no, no, we won't make it that easy. <laughs> well, first of all, if it's a non-believer asking me that question, I'm going to come around and say that is a very good challenge. Mm -hmm. That's a very good question because it is a good question. But I'm going to say this, there's two ways to answer that question. There's one answering it to a believer, and there's another way to answer it to an unbeliever. Okay. To a believer, I'm going to ask him this question. Do you believe that um, the Bible is God's Word? Do you believe that God is the creator of all things? Now, I'm going to ask him these questions. Do you believe God created everything out of nothing? Do you believe Jesus walked on water? Do you believe He turned water into wine? Do you believe He fed 5,000 from five loaves of bread and two fish? Do you believe His resurrection? Do you believe His resurrection? And do you believe that Jesus defied gravity when He went up to Heaven in front of all those eyewitnesses? Well, yes. The believer is going to say yes. Then what's the problem with God getting that light here? <laughs> That's a good answer. Are we looking for signs and like scientific that. answers to everything? No. No, if we are, then we're not. We're putting that above our, making that our authority, and not the Bible anymore. Yeah, it's above good point. revelation. Now, to an unbeliever, I'm going to have a different time, question, different way to approach it. I'm going to say that is a good question again, but you know, there's only two ways to answer that. Again, it's 
a belief in a Creator God who created everything in six days as the Bible teaches. Or the other possible way is through naturalistic sciences, naturalistic processes. My choice is I believe in a Creator God who created everything out of nothing, created all the stars, the galaxies, and He did everything this in six days, and He created the stars on day four. Now, what is your answer to all this? Well, their answer might be something like this. Well, Mike, that's just a faith answer. I believe in science. Now, here's my answer to that one. And they may go on and try and explain it, how light travels 5.8 trillion miles in a year, and it would take so many years to reach mm -hmm. us. And if a galaxy is millions of light years away, it would take millions of years. Therefore, it can't be 6,000 years old. Well, my answer to that is, or challenge back to him is, what do you, what do you mean by old? And let me, let me back off on that again. <clears throat> my, my question to him would be, what do you mean by science? Mm. What do you mean by science? Because according to all the dictionaries I read and the science textbooks, science means observable and repeatable. So, could you supply me some evidence right. for how that light got here? And it's got to be empirical science, meaning observable and repeatable, because it seems you have some assumptions in what you've told me. First of all, you said the light travels this far, and that it can travel so far in a year. But the question I have is you can't get a correct measurement unless you know when that star was actually formed, and how it was formed, and where the matter came from to form that star. And the problem is they can't do that using empirical science. All they can do is use assumptions. Well, and so they build which, those cases on theoretical science, yes. which you already used the word. That blends right over into philosophy. And I like what you said even about a believer. It comes down to a belief, whether it's Richard Dawkins or anyone else. They're putting their faith in something that they really can't yes. fully comprehend or understand. And so even we, as we talk about Revelation, I, I love what's said one time, Revelation isn't so hard to understand. It's hard to believe. If you yes. believe it as a Christian, yes. then the Lord will give you understanding. So, really, it's the same kind of thing in creation. Right. Now, ultimately, based on their, they have assumptions, it goes back to they have a faith, we have a faith. Right. Now, which faith has the best thing to offer? Amen. Now, I find that most, Christ, most professing Christians today have surrendered to science. Yes. Uh, they believe science is, is more reliable than God's Word. And, and I can prove that because most professing Christians today take the position that, well, yes, uh, God was the one who created, but He did so through evolution, through millions of years. And therefore, Genesis chapter 1, each of those days represents a billion years or a hundred million years, but certainly not one day. I think this has been one of Satan's greatest tools. And getting into the Christian education system, which they really don't even teach much about any of this. And that's the, that is a bigger problem than the evolutionists teaching evolution. The Christian schools have not responded. Mm -hmm. Many of our Christian universities have They've surrendered. surrendered and compromised the issue, and yes. the churches kind of back off of it. But the, the thing here is, when we look at this theistic evolution, what it's commonly called, God used some form of evolution or billions of years, there are some major biblical problems that come out. Sure. The first one is if the earth is billions of years old, what was going on for those billions of years before Adam and Eve? That would be death, death. decay, disease. So that means there was death before sin. That undermines the entire gospel of Jesus Christ Absolutely. Now. The yes, whole sir. reason Jesus had to come and conquer death has now been compromised. It also affects the character of God. When God looked back on His entire creation after day six, He called it very good or exceedingly good, so yeah. that Hebrew means. Did He really call millions and billions of years of death, <laughs> decay, and disease very good? If that's His very good, then why do we want to go to Heaven? 
Well, Dave is exactly right. So many people have bought into this lie. I was teaching young people one time about the chronological uh, episodes of what happened throughout Scripture, God's plan and revealed over time. And of course, I began with creation. And I had a couple very seasoned saints of the church come to me afterwards and say, do you mean to tell me you think they were dinosaurs on the earth at the same time as human beings? I said, of course. Well, they said, where do you get that idea? I said, Scripture. They said, well, I thought that was billions of years ago. I said, where did you get that idea? <laughs> well, evolution in school, that's what we were yeah. taught from a young age. And these were older ladies. And I said, well, ladies, you all have been reading all the wrong books. And that's exactly what I've said to other young people when they start embracing this false theology and philosophy of evolution. And I say, you've read all the wrong books. Where do you put your faith and where do you ground your understanding? Is it in the Word of God? Or is it in all these other things? You brought up a great point there. They're, our youth are not being fed. I know. They're not getting God's Word, nor are they getting the true science. Right. That's why we need to get into the Christian schools well, you and know, churches. People are always teaching. saying, well, Genesis chapter 1 is poetry, and poetry you can't uh, interpret literally. And when they tell me that, I always say, well, go over to Exodus chapter 20 and look where it lists the Ten Commandments. And when it gets to the Sabbath day, it says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. That's a day. That's a great argument there, because the reason people want to make poetry is the poetry. same reason they want to bring in billions of years. They want to open up to the idea, oh, everything will be old. And again, that's another thing. If commandment number four, Exodus 20, verse 11, doesn't mean what it says, six days, then why would we trust the other nine commandments? Well, I think it goes back to Genesis chapter 3 when Satan uh, tried to blend in a little falsehood and he said, Did God really say? And so today, what Satan is doing is saying, did God really create in six days? And he's trying to blend deception because he's trying to turn people away from yes. the true and living God. You know, God. I yes. think the integrity of God's Word is at stake here because if you can't believe what the, the first chapter of Genesis says, literally, how can you believe in the resurrection? Right. And you lose that. And you also lose the last book. Cause yes. We should look at this carefully. There's 11 things, at least 11 things we lose because of the fall in Genesis. Guess where we get them back? In the book of Revelation. So well, those two are connected. I always talk about the fact that the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible are the two parts that are most abused because they're spiritualized to death. They don't mean what they say. Yes. And we're teaching our Christians to go around and live with inconsistencies in what they believe. Yeah. For example, if they're using science, and when I ask people why you want to believe in millions of years, about almost 100% of the time it's because what the scientists have supposedly proven. Yeah. Well, if you're using science to interpret Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, then to be consistent, you have to use science to interpret the rest of the Bible. Oh, sure. Mm. Which means no miracles. And now we're starting to see Christians are going around, well, I can believe that, but I don't have to believe that. Yeah, they might as well rip pages of their Bible yes. out, and, and then you've got yes. a, a, a holy Bible and not with a uh, HOLE. W.A. Criswell, who served as the pastor of First Baptist Church for 50 years, called that leopard theology. He said, leopard theology is where people say, well, the Bible is inspired only in spots, and I know which spots. Yes. <laughs> well, Mike, I have a question for you. Yes. Obviously, the name of our program is Christ in Prophecy. So, let's talk about Christ as it pertains to the creation. Where was Christ in the creative oh, uh, I love that answer because people come up to me and say, let's just preach Jesus. And I say, <laughs> Amen, Amen. Amen. Guess what? In the beginning God created, guess who's the creator of all things? Who spoke into existence? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Then we have the first reference to a gospel in Genesis 3.15. Yeah, that's yes. right. Where he talks about 
we're going to have victory and we're going to have a Savior. Yes, we are. Amen. Right there. So, Genesis is important for understanding the Gospel and it's important for understanding the last book. Yes. Yes. Well, not only did Paul write to the Colossians in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, he also goes on to say, for by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together to this very day. Correct. So, if you're going to talk about Jesus, first book starts in the beginning. God, how does the last book start? The revelation of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes. So, the whole book is about Him. Yes, it is. From beginning to end. So, if we're going to preach Jesus, let's teach the whole Bible. Even the book of Numbers. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you talked earlier about how uh, evolutionists have always depended on drawings, fanciful drawings. From one tooth they draw a whole person. They also believe in time. Their faith is in time. If you have enough time you can, you can, anything can develop, right? That's right. It's called the Holy Grail of evolution. Yes. They cannot give that up. But what they don't teach in the schools are all the evidences that support a very young earth. Yes. Like we know large canyons don't take a long time. I mean, when Helen I was growing up, I heard over and over if you just had a bunch of monkeys sitting at typewriters and gave them enough time, they could accidentally type Shakespeare. I point out the that fact that happen. the moon is regressing from the earth. In other words, it's moving away very slowly. Millions and billions of years ago, at the rate at which it's moving away, it would have been touching the earth. That is impossible. And there are many other evidences of a young earth yes. today. Many, many evidences, like soft tissue and dinosaurs. Carbon 14, we're finding carbon 14. In well, place. another creation teacher that's a friend of mine, Russ Miller, always says the, the evidence is there, it just depends on how you interpret it. Evolution interpret it one way, creationists another way, but they're all interpreting the same evidence. Right. Uh, we're, we need to get people to understand what is a Biblical worldview. Yes. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for being our guest today on Christ in Prophecy. You've challenged us and our viewers to think more about the origin of the universe. So, why don't you tell our audience how they can get in touch with your ministry? Well, they can go to our website called creationtraining.org. All one word, creationtraining.org. Very good. Well, I also want to thank you for being with us, Mike. You're one of my favorite people. I just love you and your ministry, and I pray that God will continue to bless it. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I pray the Lord willing that you'll be back with us again next week. And until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The book, The Evolution of a Creationist, is a layman's guide to the conflict between the Bible and evolutionary theory. Author Dr. Joe Martin shares that while on the faculty of Baylor College of Dentistry, he was challenged by his students to study the little known assumptions of the theory of evolution. This book chronicles his personal journey from traditional evolutionist to a creationist. Dr. Martin's scientific and medical training was revolutionized as he studied animals that challenged the scientific assumptions of his education. The Evolution of a Creationist takes a look at animals that break all the evolutionary rules. Dr. Martin presents 10 marvels of God's creation, the bombardier beetle, the incubator bird, the garden spider, the gecko lizard, the giraffe, the anglerfish, the beaver, 
the chicken egg, the chuckwalla lizard, and the woodpecker. It examines the many problems with evolutionary theory and shows why the Bible is an excellent book of science. This book can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. To get your copy, call the number you see on the screen or visit our website at lamblion.com. for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 